Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Last First Date Radio, featuring interviews with experts in dating, relating, and mating in midlife. And now, here's your host, Sandy Weiner. Hello, everybody. This is Sandy Weiner, and I am the founder of LastFirstDate.com. I am the dating and relationship coach and communication coach for women over 40 who want to attract and sustain a lasting, loving, dignified relationship. We have a wonderful show coming up for you today. I'm going to be speaking with certified divorce coach Cindy Holbrook, and we're going to be talking about how to finally stop dating the same person with a different face. This is such a common issue, and boy, I I can't wait to talk to Cindy. And as a dating coach myself, it's it is my mission to help women over 40 recognize the qualities of a good guy and to learn the relationship skills that it takes to make love last. Relationships do take skill, and unfortunately we don't learn them growing up. Most of us don't have the role models um, or the skills that we need to make relationships work, and that's why we have such a high divorce rate. And um, so I can't wait to hear what Cindy has to say about um, helping people get it right the next time around. And most women who come to me for support are are really fabulous women. They are strong, successful in the workplace. They're great mothers. But the problem is that they have challenges in their romantic life. And the biggest problems they have um, are, well, let's just say one of the biggest problems that they have is that they, they take that same degree of competitiveness that they bring to their work life and they bring that into their dating life and and men who they're attracted to alpha men who they're mostly attracted to are really not interested in competing in locking horns when they're dating they may enjoy sparring but they may not consider that woman as a romantic partner So all it takes is a little tweak or two to bring more of your feminine side to dating and you will have more polarity in dating, which is what really creates attraction, not two of the same thing. So many people think they should be dating their clones. And while we want to date somebody who has common interests, we don't want to be dating a clone of ourselves. So there are so many mistakes that people unknowingly make that sabotage their relationships. And what I've done is created a free report, a free guide for anybody who would like it uh, that identifies the top three mistakes that midlife daters make and how you can actually turn them around. I have exercises in there to turn those mistakes around and help you on your journey to find love. And so if you would like a copy, just go to my homepage. It's probably on pretty much every page of my website. Go to lastfirstdate.com and sign up because I want you to go on your last first date. Today's show is sponsored by audible.com, a leading provider of spoken audio entertainment and information. You can listen to audiobooks whenever and wherever you like. I just listened to one in my car this week. It's just a fabulous way to hear books if you don't have time to read them. You'll get a free book when you sign up for a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com forward slash last first date. And now I'm going to introduce our special guest today. Cindy Holbrook is a certified divorce coach, and she supports women as they go through the emotional roller coaster of divorce. She helps them to heal 
and let go of their past and rebuild their life with less stress, more clarity and confidence about their future. That's a good thing to have. Cindy has been the guest of many telesummits and radio shows, including Huffington Post Live. Her articles have been published on eHarmony, Huffington Post, Fox Magazine, and MSN. She created CoachingForDivorcedWomen.com, and it's a site that's jam-packed with tips and techniques to educate and empower women as they make the transition to being single women and re-entering the dating field. So welcome to the show, Cindy. No, thank you. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for coming on today and talking about this important topic. So let's let's talk about what happens when people get divorced and they start dating again. What do you think is the number one mistake that they make? It's definitely dating for the wrong reason. Uh, there's so many women that falsely, uh, that believe that their value lies in a man loving them. So therefore, they rush out again thinking they need to find a new love or they're having pressure from family and friends to date again. But they never take the time to grieve their past relationship and to grieve the the loss of their hopes and dreams for the future. And so therefore, that's usually how they wind up with the same man but a different face, simply because they're not um, healing themselves and they're not... Uh, dating uh, to see what they can offer, but they're dating to see what they can get from it. Mm. So there's a big distinction between what they can get from it. Say that again. Say that last line again. Yeah. Um, they're dating just for for the man to love them, to build up their value, to say, look at me, you know, I, I have a man, and and so my life is perfect, but they never take the time to say, what am I offering to this relationship? Why would a man want to date me? What am I giving him? Uh, mm-hmm. It's sort of one-sided a lot of times. They're looking for what the relationship can do for them, and they don't pay no attention at all to what they have to offer the relationship. Mm-hmm. So, um, and and you bring up an important point about grieving the loss, and and a lot of people think, well, you know, the relationship is over for a long time because often in divorce, the relationship is over years before the divorce comes to a close. And so I've spoken to a lot of men and women who say, well, you know, we were separated for four years and I was dating while I was separated because the relationship was over. How do you feel about that? I personally don't see anything wrong with dating while you're separated as long as you're healed from it. Uh, in my own personal life, I spent a lot of years healing in my marriage before I had the courage to leave it. So I started dating within a year of leaving, and my divorce had not been over yet. But I was I was done grieving. I had actually mm-hmm. let go of it, and I knew what I wanted in the future moving forward. So uh, it depends upon where the person is. Uh, with the mm-hmm. grieving stages, they're just like death. You have, you know... Uh, shock, denial, anger, depression, um, bargaining, and then acceptance. But whenever mm-hmm. you uh, you have the breakup, you have an added feeling of rejection. Regardless if you left the person or they left you, you have to deal with that rejection. Hmm. 
So, you know, there are also women. So I, I like that you distinguish between, um, you know, that it's not only about time, it's really about the healing. Because a lot of people can be divorced 10 years and are still stuck. They haven't, yes. they haven't healed. <clears throat> I'd, right. I'd like to share a story. My aunt, my aunt to mm-hmm. me is like the classic. You know, people always ask me, "How long does it take to grieve?" Well, you, some people, you, I've seen people really grieve and and let go within three months, and then other people, like my aunt, never do. My aunt got a divorce. She was about forty-three or forty-four. She was very angry at my uncle Joe. Um, and Aunt June's famous words were, "I'm going to make Joe pay till the day he dies." When mm-hmm. I went through my divorce, uh, which was like probably 20 years after hers, she told me, you should make Earl pay till the day he dies, just like I'm making Joe pay till the day he dies. My Aunt June died at 93, and the last conversation I had with her, which was about six months before she died, she told me she was happy that she made Joe pay till he died. Uh, mm-hmm. And I thought, how sad. She robbed herself of true love, of happiness, of peace, because... Her whole purpose in life was to make Joe pay. She had a boyfriend for years who, he was a multimillionaire, and he begged her to marry him, and she would not marry him because she was going to make Joe pay till the day she died. So that's somebody that's really, <laughs> somebody that's really stuck in the anger yeah. part of grieving. You know, so, you know, if you're going to get stuck, it's either in the anger or in the depression. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I've seen people, you know, like I said, you know, 30 or 40 years later, talking about the stuff that just happened yesterday, and they're not ready to move on because they haven't healed their heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's an interesting story. And and the only person she hurt was herself, obviously. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's, yeah, um, it's when amazing When you're married or me. in any relationship, you give away pieces of yourself. You know, there's mm-hmm. so many different parts of us, and we give away these pieces in uh, a false belief that we're enhancing the relationship. But in time, all it does is it destroys the relationship, depending upon what pieces you're giving. Some pieces are really stupid. Uh, for instance, when I was married to my ex-husband, I always, always, always bought um, blue cheese dressing. I never bought another type of salad dressing. And mm-hmm. it was because it was his favorite, so I bought his favorite. And who cared what me and the kids liked, right? It was all about him. And I have not bought blue cheese dressing one single time since I left him. And it's mm-hmm. just, you know, this is something. I gave up what I liked, which is ranch dressing, simply for whatever mm-hmm. stupid reason in my head because he wanted blue cheese. Um, but other parts, I have a client. She uh, had a dream of being an opera singer. And she very good, and she had, you know, different recitals, and she was very involved in the music industry. And her husband said, oh, it's fine for a hobby, but no wife of mine is going to have that as a career. So she gave up her singing and believing that it was going to enhance her marriage and that was the right thing to do for her marriage. Uh, after about five to ten years of, of not being able to sing, she said she couldn't even listen to music on the radio. I mean, it's like she just cut off her voice, period. And mm-hmm. which really like killed her um, emotionally because she let go of her passion. And since she's been working with me, I'm really proud of her because she started singing again. You know, her first ex- thing was, I'm too old to start singing again. I'm like, no, you're not. And she has a recital coming up in May. So I'm really uh, proud of her for coming through this. But she had given up such a big part of herself 
that she was so unhappy that naturally things are going to um, not work out in the relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it's really important, and, and giving up bits of yourself was, is such a common theme, in, especially in marriages that don't work. Of course, you, marriages and relationships are about compromise as much as they are about growing together. And mm-hmm. <clears throat> ideally, you are not giving up the important bits of yourself. So if your marriage was a great marriage, the ranch dressing wouldn't have been a big sacrifice, obviously. Right, right. But it's, right. Yeah, it's obviously symbolic of, of other things that you gave up. And, um, you know, and I, I did the same. And I, you know, did everything I could to, to make my marriage work. And... I I actually worked with my husband. Um, he's a comedian and a puppeteer, and we had a TV show together. And so I discovered talents that I didn't know I had um, by working with him. I was always an artist before I became a, a dating coach. And um, and we did a, a national television show, a, you know, a TV show that that was on a, an important station. And when it was done, he said, this is so exciting. Like, you were on TV. Your dream come true. And I said, it's, it was a really great experience, but it's not my dream. It's yours. Right. And that was a big aha moment for me. It was like he just assumed that his dream was my dream, but we didn't share mm-hmm. the same dream. And so I was happy to be a supporting, play a supporting role but I had my own dreams. I didn't even know what they were yet. Um, but I knew they weren't those. I didn't. Right. I knew I had my own, you know. And I think we have to know that we can't snuff out who we are for anybody, ever. Exactly. Again. I mean that. That's really important. Mm-hmm. The um, um, you know, as women, yeah. we're taught mm-hmm. to be caretakers, and we're taught like you know we're supposed to give up ourselves, and you know I always liken it to that that 50s article about the perfect wife. And my thinking, Mm -hmm. in the big scheme of things, that was only 60 years ago. And so, you know, as far as, you know, oh, not complaining if your husband stays out all night and all this stuff, it's really interesting. So we're still, because we learn from our parents and our grandparents, women, even younger women, are still in this... um, transitioning phase, whereas we're really coming into our own power and learning that we don't have to take care of everybody else. I, mm-hmm. As far as losing yourself, if you've ever seen Runaway Bride, uh, mm-hmm. you know, Richard Gere is a reporter. Julia Robert is the woman who keeps running away at the altar. And so Richard Gere goes there to... Uh, to do a report on her, to, you know, write some articles about her. And he's interviewing all of her fiancés, and he asked them, how does she like her eggs? And, you know, one fiancé said, oh, that's easy. She likes them scrambled just like I do. Another one, oh, that's easy. She <laughs> likes them sunny side up just like I do. And mm-hmm. another one said, oh, that's easy. She liked them uh, eggs benedict just like I do. And so further on in the movie, when Richard Gere and Julia Roberts start this romantic relationship, he has Julia Roberts sitting at this table with eggs made every single way you can imagine. <laughs> and he's asking her, you know, how do you like your eggs? And she's like, well, how do you like yours? And he goes, it doesn't matter how I like mine. How do you like yours? You taste these and you see which one you like the best. And mm-hmm. I love that scene. And what I always tell my clients is you really have to discover how you like your eggs. 
And mm-hmm. you know, I'm using eggs very general there. You know, do you like to you know, do you like to run? Do you like to um go skydiving? Do you like zip lining? Do you like to go rafting? Do you like to play tennis? You know, what did you know, like my client, did you like to sing? So what parts of you did you sort of give up thinking you were um, helping the relationship, or what parts of you did you never even explore? You had said you didn't mm-hmm. know what your passions were um, after, you know, the, your husband had said, you know, your dreams come true, you're on TV. But mm-hmm. a lot of women don't know what their passions are because they've spent their whole life trying to please everybody else and think that they're supposed to be the perfect woman to change people, be the caretaker, plus be the executive at work. So it gets so mm-hmm. confusing. And they never really yeah. take the time to discover how they like their own eggs. Yeah, I love that. I, I don't remember the movie well enough. I have to go back and watch it now because <laughs> from a you know, from a dating coach perspective it'll be really different for me to see it. But I love that because that's that's primarily why relationships often fail. That you you're you know, somebody uh, there was this great um analogy where um there are people who who do please until until they have a ring on it, you know. So the woman who's kowtowing to the man and she's doing everything to please him and then suddenly it's, it's you know, permanent and the ring is on her finger. They're married. Now she becomes the woman she was meant to be and he doesn't know who the hell he married. And it's like, you know, because people are often afraid to be who they are because they think they're going to be rejected. Right. So... When you can be that wonderful self and not care if the wrong people like you, you're only going to be really attracting the people mm-hmm. who you should be with, and you're going to have a much better, more authentic relationship. Yeah. So, um, my current so, husband yeah. and I married him. Um, mm-hmm. He's an avid fisherman. He fishes mm. a lot. A very avid fisherman, and he's you know winning pro tournaments and stuff. And I lived with him for a few years before we got married, and you know, he just always fished. I mean, he goes fishing a lot. Uh, and once we got engaged, all of his friends started going, hey, Mike, Cindy's not going to let you go fishing after you get married. Mm. And he was so concerned about this. He kept asking me, are you going to make me stop fishing whenever I get married, whenever we get married? Because, you know, all of his buddies were saying, you know, she's going to change, and she's not going to let you go fishing. And so... Um, what I actually did was I incorporated it into my vows. So in my vows, hmm. I said, I promise I will never get mad at you for going fishing because he was so, <laughs> cause he was so concerned about it. you know. And naturally, all of his buddies are like, hey, you have that recorded, right, Mike? But it, you know, I've always told him there's only two days out of the year that I prefer you not to fish, and that's Thanksgiving and Christmas. I mean, mm. I don't care if he goes fishing on our anniversary as long as he still takes me out to eat. I don't care if he goes fishing on Valentine's Day, again, as long as he does something for me. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's him. And I fell in love with him. I didn't fall in love with him to change him. And that's, mm. you know, it was was the big thing which so many women do. They think, oh, I can change him. And even yep. if it's a subconscious, <laughs> subtle thing, it's like, oh, I can change him. But it's knowing what you want to the first place in order to attract this person. Uh, when I was married uh, to my first husband, I, I'd never heard of the law of attraction. Um, but my marriage was so horrible, and I was so sad and so depressed. And my whole life, I call it my hell years, my whole life was going to hell. Um, there was like 12 deaths in my immediate family within a three-year period. 
my marriage started going to hell, and my daughter got involved with the bloods. So I was a basket case with all this stuff happening around me. And um, and so I had a girlfriend. Her husband, he was so romantic, he cheated on her all the time. So he wasn't like the best guy, but he was super romantic. And my ex never bought me flowers once, not even whenever my kids were born. So mm-hmm. I, I dreamt up my dream man, and I did this. Three years before I left my ex, I, he was my dream man. It was, he, he's what kept me going with my fantasy man. And I used to always tell my girlfriend, Liz, my perfect man, blah, 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 blah. And I used to tell her, I need to have an affair. The problem is I'm so honest. I'd go home and tell Earl. So mm-hmm. what kept me going was, <laughs> was talking about my dream man. It just, and it was more a, of a game to me. But what was really interesting to me, uh, after I started dating my current husband, he has every single quality that my dream man had that I created in my head four years before with my friend. Wow. And I've heard this before from other people. So what are what are the qualities on that list? Because one of my clients had like 33 things on her list, and the guy she's with has them all. And so some mm-hmm. people say, oh, you should only have your top five. You don't want to you know, rule people out. But I'd love to hear you. Your list, if you can remember some of it. You know, I, 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 I tell my clients, I don't care if there's 200 things. You really have to know what you want because whenever you know what mm-hmm. you want, it's really easy to tell who's not what you want and why settle. Mm-hmm. You know, right? If you want to, you know, if you want a Cadillac, why, why settle for a, a Geo? You know, it, it's mm-hmm. just um, that way. But with my list. I had number one. I wanted somebody who's romantic. That was huge to me. Um, I wanted somebody who was intelligent and would have different conversations with me. With my ex, if you wanted to talk to him, it had to be about bowling cars or his work. Mm-hmm. Because there was no other subjects in the world besides those three. And uh, and I wanted somebody who's seen the world as gray. Uh, I'm very intuitive and I'm very curious about our universe. You know, I uh, am curious about UFOs and and ghost stories and all of the paranormal. I find it fascinating. And my ex-husband always told me I was stupid. So, number one, I didn't, you know, so I wanted somebody that would talk to me about these things. And it's not that I believe, but I don't not believe either. Um, And Mm -hmm. I find it fascinating. So I wanted somebody who respected my opinions who would mm-hmm. talk to me, who also was intelligent to talk about a variety of things. I wanted somebody who uh, didn't talk about his work all the time and um, somebody with a sense of humor. It, uh, you know, I really had a really good, you know, grip on what I wanted. Uh, somebody who respected me was number one. And when I started dating my current husband, Mike, um, we dated for a few months and uh, he lived three hours away from me, and I, we was actually one of the first Internet couples because we met in 1997 um, on matchmaker.com. It's it's not even one of the big ones anymore, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, and you can even put pictures up on your profile, but it asks you all these questions um, with a profile. And I was curious of what men was like, and that's why I did this profile. I was in no way looking for a mate. Uh, mm-hmm. I had started dating my ex when I was 16. I was married to him for 20 years, so I didn't even know what men were all about. So I just was curious. Mm-hmm. 
And I dated quite a few guys during this period of time. But then I started dating my husband. It sort of got serious, I'd say, sort of quick. But at one time we had left um, my house to go to a fast food place and we had bought some Cokes. We were sitting at a park talking and drinking these sodas. And I spilled the soda all over um, his truck. And he jumped out of the truck sort of laughing and he grabbed some towels and started um, wiping wiping up the Coke. And I curled up into a little ball, and this is from all the emotional abuse I had suffered throughout my marriage and even from my father. So I had a lot of mm-hmm. abuse in my head. And I curled up into a, pa- into a ball in the passenger side, sort of started rocking and chanting, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Now, if Mike mm. would have called me some choice names, told me I was stupid, told me I was clumsy, told me I screwed up his truck, that's what I was used to. And this is what, right. what I was expecting because it was what I was used to, you know, being called names mm-hmm. and being demeaned. But Mike looked at me, he goes, baby, you have nothing to be sorry about. And I started sobbing. He sat in that wet, sticky seat and held me for three hours while I sobbed. Oh, uh, wow. That's why I kept him. And <laughs> but, um, you know, and it, it, was, it was that respect that, that he really cared for me. You know, he didn't mm-hmm. think that I was stupid. He didn't think that I was, um, you know, trying to up one on him. You know, my ex was really good at um, the mind games. And he was really good at always making me feel like my opinions didn't count and that I was worthless. So it just built into that. And I, at the beginning of your call, you said, you know, you... Uh, you know, your main audience is, is these well-rounded, you know, top women. And oftentimes uh, we're the type that actually fall for these crazy guys because there's a part of us maybe that don't feel like we're worthy enough to to be treated with respect. There could be something, you know, from our past, uh, something you know, even that we heard from our grandmother growing up, but there's something that we don't feel that we should be treated with respect. So whenever you know what you want, uh, like, then you're going to say something to somebody. So if you know, you know, I I don't like being called stupid even if it's just joking. So uh, that song was really popular, a country song, Don't Be Stupid. And Mike was, like, singing that song to me, and I lost it. And he was like, wow. And I was like, nobody is ever going to call me stupid again. Never. Mm. And it was something that I was very adamant. Nope, you're not going to do it. Um, so whenever you know what you don't want and you set your boundaries, and you do it from the get-go because from the second you meet somebody, you're in establishing a relationship with them, uh, whether it be another man or another woman. you know. But you're establishing some sort of relationship, and you're teaching them how to treat you. And so the woman has to, you know, even men, you have to know your worth and just say, hey, I'm not going to um, be treated this way. I'm not, my son's going through a breakup. And he had told me, he said, you know, I don't want my son growing up thinking that a woman can walk all over him. And it's the same way, you know, with a woman. They don't want, you know, would you want your daughter to grow up with a man like what you've chosen? And you know, right. if you're going to say no, then it's like time to really double check and see what is it that you really want. Um, mm-hmm. So it's knowing what you want, and it's different things. I would never date anybody that drink. I, um, you know, I have a brother that was an alcoholic. I, you know, my ex never drank, 
but my brother was an alcoholic, and I've just seen things and went through things, and I thought, I'm never going to have this. So this was, you know, to me a red flag if somebody drank. But to you, it might be fine to go social drink, so that's not going to be a red flag to you. And so you really have to know what you want, what your values are, what you can accept or what you can't accept. Um, yeah. So how how do you work with your clients <laughs> to help? Well, well, let me just back up for a second and ask you a question about you in that moment with Mike, with you know, you expecting the abuse. So, so you're saying on the one hand, you have to know what you want and you have to have self worth. But at that point, yes. you still were expecting abuse. So, yes, he actually saw in you the potential for you to not be that way anymore. It sounds like for you to be, he um, saw your higher self, or he called he, up your yes. higher self, even when you weren't yet there. Exactly. He he did. You know, and he he mm-hmm. seen he went through a lot with me seeing um uh you know, just how I had been beat down forever. And mm-hmm. one thing that he tells me and it was even in his profile in his profile he said he wanted um he wanted to find um um the love of his life and they would be his queen forever. And this was in his profile. And mm. uh and basically, you know, with me with the life that I've had, he's always told me, you've went through so much hell, you deserve only the best. So, you know, he's really seen things, and he did help me um, with, you know, let's say the last layers of what I hadn't dealt with yet, of, mm-hmm. you know, the things that were... Because up until that point, even when I started dating Mike, I thought I was 100% healed. But mm-hmm. I didn't believe in mental abuse. I did not believe in emotional abuse. I believed in physical mm-hmm. abuse, sexual abuse, any other type of abuse. But, you know, any time I heard, you know, the term emotional or mental abuse, I thought that's just a bunch of hogwash. And mm-hmm. until this incident happened, I did not realize, because I was just so far into the forest I couldn't see the trees. You know, I just didn't see it. And I can see this in my clients even. A lot of times they mm-hmm. don't see what's there because they are so into it. Um, I have a client. She, I worked with her for three and a half years, and, and sadly she just never, I think, really grasped that her own self-love. She really found her value in a man. She left mm-hmm. her husband for another man, and a month later the other man dumped her, and that's whenever I started mm-hmm. working with her, um, is you know because here she was like dealing with two losses. But she had put this man on a pedestal and and just said, you know, she couldn't live without him. But she just kept going from man to man to man to man. And I kept saying, you know, who are you? What do you want? You know, you can't find yourself worth through a man. You have to find yourself worth through you. Um, because whenever you know your self-worth and you know what you want and you don't want, what you're going to ex- um, accept and not accept, then you're really ready for a healthy relationship. And then until you're in one, it's so hard to describe the difference between a healthy mm-hmm. and an unhealthy relationship. Um, yeah. I, you know, I said, with, um, you know, but it's definitely being treated with respect, but it's not, it's not trying to change the other person. So No, you, but you have to treat yourself with respect. Like, so mm-hmm. you also mentioned that your father emotionally abused you. and Yes. That's a big key, and I think a lot of people don't, and I, I talk about this a lot, that our our family relationships matter a lot in who we choose as a mate, and often we will choose the same partner over and over again because there's stuff to heal 
from mm-hmm. your family of origin. So you may probably very subconsciously and not at all aware um, you chose your first husband because he was so similar to your father and that was a relationship that needed healing. And exactly. it couldn't be healed in that relationship. Right. So Mike came along and now you had a man who you could heal it with because here's a man who's treating you with respect and now you're respecting yourself. And so yeah. I think that yeah, people have to look back and and figure out, you know, look at the patterns um, of who they've been dating, and often you don't see them. Um, so before we get to that, I just wanted to give a, another quick shout-out to Audible. Um, we're really proud to be sponsored by them. They are a leading provider of spoken digital audio entertainment and information, and they have over 150,000 titles that you can choose from and listen to on any device, including whatever you're listening to Last First Date Radio on right now. So if you sign up at our show URL, which is audibletrial.com forward slash last first date, you're going to get one free audiobook and a 30-day free trial of the service. Some of the books on the Audible bestseller list right now are Fifty Shades of Grey, uh, Wild by Cheryl Strayed. I'm in the middle of that right now. I saw the movie, but the book is much better. Um, yes, Please, which is by Amy Poehler, and this is a book that you have to listen to because it's seven hours and 31 minutes long, and it is a dinner party with Amy Poehler, Carol Burnett, Seth Myers, Ellen, Eileen and William Poehler, her parents, uh, Patrick Stewart, Kathleen Turner, and others, and it's supposed to be a riot, and it's a book you have to listen to. Um, There are others like The Five Love Languages for Singles by Gary Chapman, which really gives you a lot of great information on how how to date in a much more clear-fashioned way because you understand how you love and how you express love and who you're a better match for so you can understand your partner. So if you try Audible for your first month for free and you'll get that free audio book all you have to do is go to audibletrial.com forward slash last first date. And I want to thank you again for your support of Last First Date's radio sponsor, Audible, and for giving yourself the gift of spoken audio entertainment. Now I do have to, to tell you, too, I love yes. Audible. I, oh, I, drive, <laughs> I, I drive to Arizona. Uh, it's an eight-hour drive from my house twice or once a mm-hmm. month. And... And you know, that's all I listen to on my way in oh. and back is Audible. <laughs> that's good. So I well, strongly recommend it to all of your listeners as well. Um, it's a excellent. great way to to take up your time whenever you're driving. <laughs> yeah, well, thank you for that little extra endorsement. So, um, yeah, no, it's, you know, driving, for me, I drive a lot. And um, I like listening to podcasts or some kind of spoken word when I'm in the car. Mm-hmm. It just makes me feel like I'm getting more out of the trip, and I also have less stress if I'm in traffic because I'm getting something out of it. So if you suffer from road rage, go to audible.com. <laughs> <laughs> It'll also make you a better dater when you're ready to date again after your divorce. So let's talk about um, uh, so some of those yeah, so the patterns. Like, so how does somebody, how does somebody identify that they are dating the same person with a different face? Um, uh, basically, it's it's looking at within you, what are you accepting? Uh, for instance, um, 
I, I had a client who she rushed into her second marriage. She'd met this guy online too, and she, you know, she said right at first she knew that he was saying things very similar to her first husband. Um, and he was very controlling, you know. It was like he actually went and signed papers for a house before he even showed them to her. And then it was like, well, you're going to do this so we can get the house. And she just was like following along with him. So it's really stopping and questioning yourself. Why are you doing what you're doing? Why are you, you know, um, remember, as I said earlier, the boundaries. Are you mm-hmm. allowing this new person to have the same boundaries as you allowed your ex to have? And if that is, then you are like wearing the sign on your head. You can mistreat me. You can control me. You can, you know, uh, beat me. I was reading um, an article. I can't remember the name of the the girl. Um, I think it was Chris Brown's has a wife. I can't think of her name where she was, uh, he he had really abused her physically. And within months of leaving that relationship, she went to another physically abusive relationship. Uh And you think, you know, hey, this person's a star, you know, she has, you know, a lot of money, she's brilliant, she's everything, so why is she allowing herself to be treated this way? And, again, it comes Uh sort of down to the self-worth and what you, how you believe somebody should treat you. So, um, So whenever you think that you're not valuable enough to be treated with respect, it's like you're wearing this sign on your head, and the men that will respect you are going to walk right past you or you're not even going to notice them simply because you don't feel that you're going to um, be good enough for them. And, you know, mm-hmm. I, you know, because I work with women, I, you know, say this, but it's the same if it's the opposite. For any men listeners, you're looking for the same thing with, the, you know, a woman. My son, whenever I had him writing down his ideal person, he was like, you know, you know, I, I, I want somebody who who doesn't complain all the time. How do I write that? You know, because I was like, you have to write these things in a positive statement. So it, it's mm-hmm. writing down a profile of exactly, you know, sometimes it's easier to start with what we don't want, but it's writing it in a positive way. What I mm-hmm. have my clients do is write a one- or two-page profile of their ideal person with what they want. And, you know, it's and write it in story format, you know. you know, And you can even give the person a name. I, I have one client who is a guy, he he named his perfect mate Jennifer. So, you know, so it's all, you know, whenever Jennifer and I go out to eat, she does this and I do this. And so it's mm-hmm. very, um, it, he was, his his profile was one of the best, but he's an excellent writer. But it was very, um, you know, he added the feelings into his little profile, plus he added what she looked like and he added um, the way they joked with each other during dinner. He even added what type of foods she liked. And he added how supportive she was of him and his goals and how supportive he was of hers and how they liked time together and time apart, you know, that they both were very mm-hmm. individual by themselves, but they enjoyed their time together. So this is what I suggest. It's cause reading a story to yourself every day of your ideal person is a lot more fun than reading a list of he's respectful, he has a good sense of humor, he's six foot tall, he's muscular, he likes to exercise, he's a daredevil, he's a thrill seeker, you know, whatever it is. But if you're reading this list, it's just so blah. So whenever mm-hmm. you're writing the the story, you're putting so much feeling into it. And if you know anything about the law of attraction, it's the feelings that you have that emits the energy out into the universe to allow you to even notice um, 
who your man is. Um, we have in our brain a reticular activating system, which means that we're actually focused towards what we'll find whatever we're focused on. And mm-hmm. so if you decide you're going to Hawaii, all of a sudden you can see a thousand uh, flyers out there for Hawaiian vacations. Uh, my daughter, she's, um, I call her my biker chick, she's very into uh, to motorcycles. Uh, and she belongs to a motorcycle club. It's a family club, and they do all these things. But she just loves motorcycles. And me, not so much. She she got that <laughs> from her dad. Um, but I, uh, uh, we went to Missouri, and I thought we drove to Missouri together. I thought, I'm going to show Amy, you know, that I notice all these motorcycles. And I noticed one motorcycle between, she lives in Las Vegas, between Las Vegas and Missouri. You know, drive a 1,000 miles, I noticed one motorcycle. I never... <laughs> We, whenever we got to Missouri, I told Amy, I go, wow, this is really strange. There's hardly any motorcycles on the road. And she started busting up laughing. She's going, Mom, I've seen hundreds of them. So mm. she, because she because that's what she was focused on, she, she you know, it's her passion. So she's going to notice them. Uh, and we do the same thing with with men, you know, is if, if we don't, know what we want, they can be right in front of us, and we're not even going to notice them because of the reticular activating system. So the mm-hmm. more clear you are about what you want, you're going to notice this person in front of you. Um, going back even to my husband and my fantasy man that I had made up, when I first met, read Mike's profile, uh, it made me laugh. I, I liked it. I liked it. Was, it showed his sense of humor, plus it showed his sensitive romantic side. And so I liked all mm-hmm. of this. And I kept reading this profile every day, laughing and thinking, where in the hell is Ridgecrest? Now, I lived in Southern California my entire life, never heard of the city. It's in the middle of the desert, so it's like nowhere. But mm-hmm. uh, but I didn't write him because I kept going, where in the hell is Ridgecrest? And then mm-hmm. one night, I I just you know, sort of at the spur, I thought, you know, I'm talking to men in Hawaii, and it's not like somebody in Hawaii is going to just come over here and start dating me, right? Uh, so I decided I would write him uh, and send him an email. I sent him this email at 10 o'clock at night on his very last day of Matchmaker because he had decided he wasn't going to um, rejoin. So mm-hmm. had I not followed my inspiration and emailed him when I did, I never would have met him. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm glad you said that because the last guy that I dated, um, this is a pretty recent breakup, um, but I dated somebody for a while, and um, I contacted him. I was outside of his search, and if he had, if I had waited for him to contact me, so I was three years younger, I was three years older than he was, so his search was like three years younger than himself, and then six years younger than that. So I was way out of his search in terms of age. In terms of geography, I was probably 25 miles further away. Um, Other things that he wasn't looking for. So, and as soon as I emailed him, he wrote me right back because he liked my profile. But you have to take these risks. You you have to, you know, sense out that a person might be right for you and, and take the risk. But you also have to like yourself enough to say, I'm worth it, you know. I'm I'm worth it, and he, sh- you know, if he's a good guy, he's going to notice that I'm a good person and that we're a good fit. And then let's see let's see what happens after this. Mm-hmm. So that, I think that you know, people don't always have the self worth to think it. Yeah, well, dating is risk taking, isn't be, it? <laughs> um, 
It, 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 and it can be even, you know, in a uh, in, in the real world, in, in the real world versus the virtual world. I have a client mm-hmm. who, I mean, you know, she she had gained enough confidence, became very bold, and she did this just to increase her confidence. And so mm-hmm. she would go to like nightclubs, and if there was a man that she was remotely interested in, if he was by himself, he she would wait until he ordered a drink. You know, and, you know, mm-hmm. just it's sort of natural where go, hey, can I have a this? You know, even if you're in a restaurant, the waitress goes, what would you like? Oh, can I have a steak? You know, I don't know why we do that, but we usually ask it in a question. And mm-hmm. so whenever the guy would say, hey, you know, you know, um, can I have a this? Or even if he just said, hey, I'll take this, she would say, you can only have it if you buy me one. And this was really mm-hmm. a bold move, but it helped her increase her confidence, helped her meet a lot of men, some some good, some not so good, but mm-hmm. more than anything, it really helped her boost her confidence in talking to men. Mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah, and I, I believe that people should be out there practicing all the time. I was talking to a client today, and I said, just get out there and say hello to men, throw out your coffee machine and go out for coffee. Like, just get practice talking because mm-hmm. the more you feel comfortable, the more you're going to be able to show up and be be comfortable with the right man. So um, it's all it's all you know. Boosting confidence is huge, and I think especially when a, when a marriage ends and it hasn't been a good a good marriage, um, your your confidence can be in the gutter, and um, you really, as we said in the beginning, you lose yourself. So mm-hmm. these are really it's important. It's the rejection part of the grief. You know, if somebody dies, you don't feel rejected. And, you know, mm-hmm. some people, whenever I say this, they go, but I left. I go, but why did you mm-hmm. leave? If you didn't feel rejected in your marriage, you never would have left. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, there, on some level, that. and I guess, yeah, people don't mm-hmm. look at it that way. But, um, you know, if you're trying really hard to make a marriage work and, and you're spouse is not doing the same work and doesn't value the relationship in the same way, even if you don't love him anymore or her anymore, you're still rejected. You're, you know, there is a rejection there. Um, mm-hmm. So the person didn't value it as much as you did. That's a, that's a form of rejection. That's, right. That's an interesting yeah, way to look betrayal at it. Go, rejection, betrayal goes far deeper. You know, people always want to think... Um, uh, sexual affairs, but it goes so much deeper than that. Mm-hmm. It can be, you know, as as simple as breaking a promise and you feel rejected because they broke a promise mm-hmm. to you. Right. And then people tolerate that in dating. And I remember mm-hmm. the first guy that did that to me and it was like, hey, you know what? This doesn't work for me. <clears throat> and you know, he wasn't used to being told that things didn't work for somebody because he was used to doing whatever he wanted whenever he wanted. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah. And watching the language of somebody you're dating. I have a client who, when she first started dating this guy, she, like, met this guy that had a really nice first date. And, you know, he had ordered her dinner, you know, which at first she's like, you know, I sort of liked it, I sort of didn't. I'm not used to somebody else telling me what to eat, but I went with it. But then within days he was texting her, you're my girl, what are you doing? How come you haven't been doing this? And she's like, holy crap, you know, I have a date with this guy. (laughs) Uh (laughs) So it's, and, you know, it's knowing that, hey, you know, watching for these little signs, as simple as that, because after, you know, one date, somebody shouldn't be calling you his girl or they shouldn't be saying Mm -hmm. love. You know, these are sort of like signs to look out for is, you know, if somebody's seems too perfect to be true, they are. 
Yeah, or yeah, this this um this this what you just brought up is very common. In fact, my client this morning said this guy is being really um too much too soon and she's she's really cautious and I said you should be. So, mm-hmm. you know, the point is that some people don't even see you fully for who you are. They they see a projection or I had a guest, um Dave Kessler who calls that kind of guy a, a love bomber. He's, mm-hmm. he's just like, you know, throwing it all out there in five minutes, and it's just, yeah, not to be trusted. So, and so women do the uh, same thing. Yeah, go ahead. Women can do the oh, same yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I my son, when he was dating, there was this woman. It was right through that Jody Arias trial. My son lives in Phoenix, so, you know, it's all... Um, in the same era even. But he had this girl that was like like crazy, like, let's go on a road trip. Let's do this. Let's do that. And he's like, we haven't even met each other in person. What are you talking about, a road trip? And she's like, oh, I trust you. And my son goes, well, hey, haven't you been watching the Jody Arias trial? I have, you know. It's the woman out there can be sort of crazy, too. That's true. Oh, yeah, it, it works both ways. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, people people on both ends of the uh, spectrum and gender-wise yeah. make the same mistakes. Mm-hmm. Um, when I started first, dating uh, my husband, yeah, he's, he's a big guy, mm-hmm. He's you know, and when I first saw him, I thought, why are you being so safe? Well, you know, the Internet was brand new, and believe me, whenever you was dating from the Internet in 1997, people thought you had done lost your mind. Uh, right. And, uh, and, it really, whenever I actually met my husband, I told my friends, okay, I promise you I won't date anybody else from the Internet because they were all so concerned about me because I like big men. And, mm-hmm. and so, But what really interested me is how safe my husband was, and he's a very big man. But he mm-hmm. said, you know, he goes, there's crazy girls out there, too, that, you know, you have these rings of people where, you know, a girl is just acting as a lure. He said, so men that think that they're safe because they're men, aren't being too intelligent either. So it's, mm-hmm. you know, whenever you're dating, whether you met the guy at church or at the bar or online, it's so important to really be safe um, until you know yeah, who you're absolutely. dealing with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my, my client today was saying she didn't feel comfortable getting in a car with this man. It was the second date that he was planning, and I said, don't get in the car. Exactly. You let him know. Let him know your standards is exactly what you were talking about before. What are your What are your boundaries? I don't feel comfortable getting in a car until I've known a man for a bit longer. But I'll be happy to meet you somewhere. You know. Mm -hmm. So you make it work for you. So in our last real quick, just you saying that. Yeah. um, Real quick. Just yeah. yeah, Just a couple. It's with setting boundaries because whenever you're setting boundaries, um, Mm -hmm. you want to. You want to identify the actions and behaviors that are unacceptable to you. And then you Mm -hmm. want to choose a position statement. And so just a couple position statements for people to think about is, I would appreciate it if you don't touch me that way. Please do not call me names. This is my body. I will do with it as I please. My feelings make sense to me even though they may not make sense to you. Please don't try to fix me. I need to take Mm -hmm. some quiet time to figure this out before I talk about it. I have my reasons and do not wish to share them with you. I prefer mm-hmm. that you don't judge me. I wish I was perfect, but I guess I have to settle for being human. I'm perfectly mm-hmm. capable of making my own decisions, and that's a big one. And I'm a big girl. I'll figure it out on my own. Mm. Hmm. Yeah, clients want to know how to say these things, so this is great. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's so important to know your stand and to take a stand 
because if you don't, you'll end up being part of somebody else's plan. You'll end up being manipulated, and you'll wonder why. And so, mm-hmm. you know, if if you don't learn anything from a failed relationship, learn this. This this I so agree with you. Um, this is great. So they're called position statements. Yes. Um, yes, I like that. Um, so can you just, as we come to a close, I would like you to give our audience three tips to help people avoid falling for the same man or woman with a different face. Uh, definitely. You know, we've talked about a lot of this. It comes down to self-love. Love yourself mm-hmm. enough that you're going to respect yourself and change your habits because it's your previous habits that got you into your old relationships. You know, our whole life is nothing but one big habit. So whenever you love yourself, you're willing to change the habits, your habitual relationship patterns that you've developed with people over the years, such as maybe thinking that it's okay for somebody to call you stupid even in a joke. Um, mm-hmm. And it's setting boundaries. Uh, and as I just said, you know, whenever you set the boundaries, you want these position statements. Uh, and you, if you know the position statements ahead of time, you set your boundaries, you know what your position statements are. That way when somebody tries to cross your boundary, it's easier to um, maintain them because you've already got a pre-planned in your head what you're going to state with the position statements. Mm-hmm. And the third thing is writing down uh, the profile of your ideal partner. You know, what you want, what you don't want. Um, well, what you don't want, you're going to change that into a positive because you want this to be a positive, fun little story about your perfect man or woman so you can continue to read it and really get a feel of what how great it's going to be whenever you're in this relationship with this person. Hmm. Great. Well, this is a good recap. Um, and, and tell me, how, how did you end up in this field? I'm curious about that. In, um, in, uh, the, in divorce coaching? Yeah, or divorce in coach. Sort of, yeah, I mean, and, and goes along with dating. It's just my experience, probably. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I've always been very drawn to help women. Um, very, mm-hmm. you know, there's nothing that makes me feel better than whenever somebody gets an aha moment by talking to me. Um, I've, you know, had a lot of hell in my life, and I feel like if I went through this hell, if I can help somebody, uh, prevent somebody even a part of the hell that I've gone through, then that's a good thing. So that's why mm-hmm. I decided to become a coach in the first place. I actually, you know, for the first few years was just a general life coach, but most of the people that I coached were divorced people because that's just what I was attracting. Uh, But I Mm -hmm. really fought against being a divorce coach for years until I just really, um, and again, that was part of the mental abuse. I could hear my ex-husband's voice going, don't air my dirty laundry. Well, I can't tell my story Mm -hmm. without telling his. So, um, Mm -hmm. But that's when my business started growing is when I followed my heart, my passion, and started yeah. doing the divorce coaching. And uh, with that, it's so much, it's mm-hmm. not winding up with the same person. There's nothing that I find sadder than whenever somebody goes from one bad relationship to another one, whether it's being, you know, even if it's, sometimes the physical abuse is easier to get over than some of the, the little um, mental abuse of believing, mm-hmm. you know, that you, you know, I mean, I've heard crazy things, you know, of men saying crazy things about uh, the woman's sexual organs or about the way that the woman, you know, uh, performed sex up to just that she couldn't cook right, to clean right, and all of this plays a toll. 
And so mm-hmm. I hate it. I hate, I'm so sad whenever women wind up with the same man that's treating them just as badly as the first one did. Yeah, no, I totally hear you on that. And I think emotional abuse is, is often invisible. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really sensitive to language and how people use it. And in my last relationship, I brought that up several times. And from the very first time it showed up as a um, a word that was hurtful, and I named it. And <clears throat> at the end when I broke up, he actually um, said, well, you know, I think you're a little too sensitive about that. And I said, you know, don't tell anybody they're too sensitive, they're too anything. Because if something's important to you, then it's important to you. Whether you agree or not is not important. You know, and Mm -hmm. that's what being in a grown-up relationship is all about. So these are all... Yes, Yeah, they're first thing. You know, if he truly, you know, if if somebody truly loves you, they're going to respect you enough to say, hey, you know, that's sensitive, so I'm not going to say it. Like, you know, Mike will Mm -hmm. never say that I'm stupid in any way, shape, or form because that's just one of the words that for some reason triggers me. Um, But Mm -hmm. he respects me, and he doesn't tell me I'm stupid for not liking the word stupid. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Or I'm sensitive (laughs) for not liking the word stupid. (laughs) Exactly. You know, so when somebody says you're too anything, it's more about them than you. And Mm -hmm. that's an important thing to remember. That means they're not comfortable with it. It has nothing to do with who you are. And it's not respecting who you are, like you said. Mm -hmm. So that goes um, to my favorite quote by Eleanor Roosevelt: "No one can make you feel inferior without your permission." And Mm -hmm. I like that because you can change that word "inferior" with any emotion. No one can make you feel stupid without your permission. No one can make you feel happy without your permission. No one can make you feel loved Mm -hmm. without your permission. You know, and it's one of the reasons why I love that quote because you can interchange that word inferior to anything so anytime you're starting to feel something own it yourself that it's your feeling and you're the one that's allowing their actions to make you feel that way but it's understanding whenever they say it about you it's their garbage not yours i love that and she's great is she one of my favorite quotes and i don't remember exactly how it goes but it's about taking risks and doing scary things every day that is so much about who I became also after my divorce. And, and we talked about risk-taking before and how important it is in dating. And and if you keep doing the same thing, you're going to end up in the same place. If you keep dating the same person, you'll end up in the same relationships. So mm-hmm. thank and if you, you keep thank allowing you, you. them to treat yes. you the same way, you're going to, yeah. Yes. And that's the thing exactly. is you have to realize you're the one that's teaching the person how to treat you from the very second you meet them. Exactly. So thank you, Cindy Holbrook, for being on the show today and sharing so much great information. And give a quick uh, link to where people can find you because we have about a minute left. Okay. My main website is coaching for for divorced plural women plural dot com. But also, if you go to divorcerecoverycompass.com, it's a little quiz that you can figure out if you are recently divorced or even if you've been divorced for years. You can take this quiz and determine where you are in your own divorce recovery. And then as soon as you take the quiz, you get to download a couple MP3s, um, the number one um, mistake women make after a divorce plus acceptance. And then you will get an email series um, based on where you are now in order for you to uh, continue to move forward. Excellent. Well, thank you so much again for coming on the show. wish you great luck in continuing your good work. 
Well, thank you, and thank you for having me. It's been fun. Yes, thank you. And thank you, everyone, for listening in today, and I hope you all go on your last first date very soon. Have a great day. Bye-bye.